Warning, this show is rated M for melanin. Because when you see somebody in such a historic fashion succeed like that, I think we see ourselves in the successes, but also we see our struggles too. Welcome to Blacklight, the podcast that keeps it light while talking blackness. We're your hosts, Sheldon, Jason, Warren, and Julian. We're here to cast blackness in a new light from a fresh, finessed perspective. Every episode, we examine a social issue or current event through an unapologetically black lens. The show exists because in today's media climate, the experiences and perspectives of color are often unseen or overlooked. We wanted a place to share stories of black people, by black people, for all people. This is that place. This is Black Light. All right, guys, what are we talking about today? All right, so elections are coming up. We got a big uh, and really important election season coming up and just been announced that Kamala Harris is the first African-American female nominee for the vice president. And it's actually a really big deal because we talk about, especially in the political sector and political field, the importance of seeing these firsts and seeing these, these faces and these positions. And when you think about first African-Americans in politics, you can't help but go back and talk about Barack Obama in uh, 2008 becoming the first African-American president. So I want to talk about firsts of our race, our race obviously being black, but we all grow up and we all have these views and memories of somebody who was pointed out to be the first. So I want to go around to you guys and see any notable firsts that you guys thought of. And I'll start with uh, you, Warren. All right. Well, Calvin Brown is the one that comes to mind right away for me. He was the first black stuntman. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the funny part about the Calvin Brown story is it has to do with everybody's favorite like black man to hate, Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby was, was in this movie, doing this movie, and he walked on set one day and he saw this guy that was his stunt double for the day. And it was just a white guy painted black. I mean, like, like what? Blackface. Like yeah. black. No. Not, not just like blackface, but like black as my shirt black. Like, like just tar black. Like as black, yeah. tar black, right? It was just like the <laughs> blackest they could possibly paint this man. That's what they painted him as. And they had him in a, you know, a fro wig and they were standing him next to Cosby, cutting his wig to, to try to match Cosby's afro. The, the guy's lips looked so red <laughs> against his black skin and it just looked absolutely ridiculous. Cosby leans over to the guy and asks how much he's getting paid for the day. He's doing a, a big car stunt. And, and the guy said $750. And this was in 1960. So that was like a trillion dollars. Uh, so that yeah. was a ton of money, yeah. right? Mm. And so Cosby went to the producers and was like, listen, I know a bunch of people that would do this for $70. And if I weren't in comedy, you would have found me to do this for $750. Mm. So, <laughs> so please don't ever do this to me again. Find someone that looks like me. And, and the guy they found was Calvin Brown. And he basically, he was, he was hired to fall out of a tree for, for like a slave movie once. And they paid him, 
he did it. He did it a bunch of times, which is what you do in stunts. And they paid him like six hundred dollars in hundred dollar bills on the spot. Oh wow! And and he was like, yeah. And I've been falling out of trees ever since. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Jason? Well, one of well, I'm gonna kind of name a, a couple of first. You know, we started off talking about Kamala. And by the way. I have been, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just admit that I have been a supporter of Kamala Harris for about a year, but I have been saying her name wrong for pretty much all of that time. So it's Kamala Harris, and I'm pretty embarrassed. But anyway. Uh, you mean it's well, not Kamala or Kamala? <laughs> or Kamala. Yeah. So Kamala. I, and I'm going to probably. Like the, say, like the punctuation. I've yeah. been saying it wrong too. Right. It's yeah, not the, it's it's not the black version of Pamela. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, let's just call her Miss Harris or vice, the future vice president. But uh, she is the second senator, black woman senator that we've had in this country, which is a wild statement, right? The first Mind one was boy. Carol Mosley Braun from Chicago. She served from 1993 to 1999. But that is so crazy to me that we've gone this long. Like we haven't had a black female senator since the 90s, since like some of our listeners maybe were born. So that's just sort of outrageous to me. But Kamala uh, Harris patterned her presidential bid off of the first woman, actually the first African-American period, even before Jesse Jackson, to run for president, which was Shirley Chisholm, right. which she ran her campaign in 1972. It was like I said, it was even before Jesse Jackson. He ran his in in um, uh, 1988. But it's just sort of insane and ridiculous. And, and it, it really just makes me think of how far we have to go in this country and just the amount of pressure when you're two of millions and millions of African-American women who have maybe tried to reach that pinnacle and the type of pressure that you have to undergo. And the final person I sort of want to throw out there, of course, is from VA, one of the <laughs> first governors since Reconstruction, which was the governor of Virginia back in the 90s, Douglas Wilder. Man, I, I just remember that. As a matter of fact, I I mostly also remember that different world pattern, the whole storyline off of him. So that, that that's my biggest memory of it because I was so young. I, th I think it was like in the early 80s. But yeah, those are the three that jump out to me as being first and amazing. Some awesome picks. What about you, Sheldon? Man, I got to throw it out a little shout out to my man, Jackie Robinson. I mean, when oh, I was yeah. growing up, oh, yeah. yeah, when, when I was growing up, man, I played baseball. And when I was probably since the time I was five, played baseball probably until high school, a little bit in college and adult baseball was never really that great. But I always looked up to Jackie Robinson just for being just really having that courage to break the color barrier in Major League Baseball. And, you know, as time goes on, people really they forget about what it took for people to break those barriers. It wasn't just like they showed up and then people welcomed them with open arms there were slurs, there were acts of violence, oh, there yeah. were, you know, the barriers were real. They were both, you know, financial, they were physical and those things. So I just, I think of him, I've always looked up to Jackie Robinson as a, he's been a hero of mine my whole life. Um, not only because he crossed the color barrier, but he was really just, a, he was a great baseball player. And I want to open up the conversation, you know, as we talk about this a little bit more, he was definitely the first black baseball player to cross the color barrier 
but he was not the first black baseball player that was good enough to play in the major Absolutely. leagues. Absolutely. Great not point. Great point. Yep. And so I think that this is a, a real <laughs> important part of the narrative here is that oftentimes people think that the first black person to do something was like the most qualified or like the it, it, they are probably they just happen to be in the right place at the right time with I'm going to say this like with a with like a white person who was helping bring them along like Branch Ricky in this case, mm-hmm. um, not all, in, in all situations, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying that there's usually somebody that opens the door. And this is is an important part of the conversation for creating first is that help up. So that was a huge one for me. There's a couple others that I'll talk about throughout our conversation, but for sure, Jackie Robinson, just so many different trials and struggles. And I mean, he was in the military came back or he was uh, fighting in the military and still had to ride on the back of the bus. Yeah, was, yeah. I believe even like court-martialed <clears throat> and convicted of, of uh, things like just not complying with segregation and stuff. It was just wild who this guy was and he was just fearless in my opinion. So, I mean, I just always think of that. You know, I think it's important for us to highlight our, our firsts and really talk about what it means and what it takes to get there and, and do that and to succeed and then and to really inspire other people. Yeah. And for me, I'm going to stick with sports, big sports fans, as you guys know. I'm going to go with Doug Williams. Doug Williams, the quarterback for the, uh, we'll call them the Washington football team now. Uh, but he's the first <laughs> that's black. That's they are. Yeah, well, right, exactly. But he's, he's the first black quarterback to win a Super Bowl. And this was back in 87. Uh, that particular Super Bowl was my introduction to football like i didn't understand the sport or the game but i just remember watching it with my grandfather and i remember just the the pride that he had when talking about doug williams you know i just remember him saying like hey look at look at number 17 what's he gonna do with the ball by this time i'm like four years old and uh i just remember like yo you know this is cool and and i think that was a small introduction of kind of being proud of somebody on tv that's black and I didn't understand the 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 level of it at that point, but he was the first black quarterback, and that was such That's a huge, a huge thing. thing. It That's is. a huge thing, yeah. And and also, I actually had a chance to meet him at a fundraising event three or four years ago. And man, I mean, you know, I, I was indifferent about like going in there, like, oh yeah, like I'll see Doug Williams, it's whatever. But I found myself like, wow, you know, like this moment means a lot to me because you were my first introduction to the game of football yeah and so whenever i think about first i've never really you know been a, a first of, of of anything but one thing you're I the sort first of think, child you're first and only child come on day, man there you go <laughs> i mean i have a half sister so i'm like eh you know partially only child but anyway you know i think about the loneliness sometimes that you can have when you're the only black face in a, in a white space. You know, a, a lot of these positions, they are surrounded by people that, you know, maybe think they are less than or just don't share the same culture, essentially. That's something that I think a lot of us can kind of probably understand. I know personally when something that I've had to sort of struggle through whenever I'm the only black person in the room is, you know, am, am I representing myself to the best of the ability? You know, do the, do my coworkers think I'm less than, do I have to go above and beyond? Well, I've always been told I have to go above and beyond. Am I, am I doing that? Why do I have to do that? And, you know, am I just here because I was 
one of the only, you know, qualified black people on on the list of certs or whatever. That's just, it, it's like a, I call it like an Uncle Ruckus devil mm. on my shoulder. <laughs> like, like, you're not, not that, you know, like, so, you know, that's something that I, I've had to, you know, just sort of shout out that that voice in my ear. And, and I can imagine you, you kind of go through that pretty much every day, even even if, as you accomplish so much and you, you've reached that pinnacle. It's just like, well, you know, I'm sure they have their time of reflection and, and self-doubt, which kind of makes their, especially if you're like a Barack Obama or something like that, where you not only have you reached this pinnacle, but you're considered the best, period. So, but let's take that and run with it, man. I think that we really, let's like, let's really get into it here. We're talking about something that's important to all of us. I think that when we see Black faces in prominent places, it is important. We've already identified that and talked to that and shared with our listeners how important it is to see that. But let's talk about for a second, like, you know, what we thought about or how we felt about Barack Obama, just not in terms of policies, but just hold on. on. Can we can we talk about why it's important? I mean, I think Julian touched on it, Mm -hmm. but I, I think it's more important than we've given it time for so far okay to say why it's important for firsts to be celebrated because there's there's a whole wealth of people that say like well like big deal you know there have been black people in government for a long time the fact that kamala harris is the first black woman whatever Mm. she hasn't won anything yet nothing's happened why does this matter why do we need to keep talking about the fact that she's black why can't we just look at her policy stuff? I think it's important for us to say we're still living in a society that makes it harder for a certain type of person to do something. And the fact that it, they haven't done that thing yet, not not one of them has done it yet, mm-hmm. means that this is more difficult for them to do. Mm-hmm. And so it's important in inspiring the next generation and the current generations to say, we want to see more people and different people and different sets of people doing things and achieving more in our country. That is the sign of, of a country that is doing well. Mm-hmm. When we have people from all over, from different walks of life, from different backgrounds, from different education levels, or from different socioeconomic levels, climbing to the highest statuses in whatever they're trying to do. That's the mark of a, a country that is doing the best it can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, switching, switching back on that then, I mean, you're right. It is, it is important for us to talk about the why, why it is important. And, and historically there have been those barriers that have been placed in front of people of color. And so it's, it, you're right, Warren, it's not the same. It's not the same as, you know, person gets nominated for VP that happens regularly, but right. for a black woman to make it to the door, now, of course, we, we, we don't want to say, like, be so wowed by that. But at the same time, the fact that this country has not allowed that to happen, it is a wow moment. And those things are really important. And it, for me, like, that was really kind of the, the point that I wanted to make about Obama is why that was so important to me. I remember, I mean, Obama really got me into politics. And, you know, it just really started getting me interested in like, okay, this seems to matter a little bit more now. Right. And so that to me is why I don't dismiss those things. Are you just voting for him because he's black? Well, 
at first I was like, damn, whatever this nigga's doing, I'm going to vote for him. <laughs> like whatever, <laughs> whatever he's doing, I'm going to vote for him. But I started listening to him and, and listening to him and hearing what he had to say. And I was like, this is really important for the country to hear a black man to speak well. And because we talk about changing the narrative and every time you see a black face, it's blah, 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 it's not all about 3,500, you know, on the, on the news or something else. And, you know, like look at an, another unintelligent black man and then to see it, uh, to see him become the president of the United States like that to me was just so exciting. And, you know, I still have like right behind me, I've got the newspaper from the day after he yeah. won. <laughs> oh, yeah. And. You know, I keep that framed in, in in my place because of how important that was to me. So, yeah, it is important. It, it's it's inspirational because yeah. once you see someone who looks like you, who sounds like you, who came from where you came from, who has or shares a similar story, like Warren said, reach those highest levels. You're like, huh, well, if they can do it with some hard work and the right things happening, maybe I can do it, too. Yeah. So that's definitely important. Yeah. And I think if you if you don't feel that way. Like, if you don't feel like you need someone to show you that, it might be because you grew up seeing it everywhere, mm. that you could reach the highest levels and that people look like you could reach the highest levels. And so if you don't understand that process, it might be because that happened for you when you were two, mm. right? But we're waiting for a long time for some of these things where, where you see someone that looks like you doing the thing that you want to be doing at the highest level. Look how nice Warren says, your privilege is showing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and since we're sort of getting into sharing Obama stories. So when Obama was, you know, going through the process of uh, the nomination and getting the nomination and, and eventually becoming the president, I remember election night. Like I'll never forget. I mean, like most people, right? You're like, you especially black folks and, and, and others, I like never forget it. I was I was dating this girl and I didn't know anybody in Washington, D.C. I, I had just I was fresh off the boat, like just came here. So this girl I was sort of talking to was nice enough to invite me to uh, this gathering they were having because she knew I was really super into politics. And um, one of the things that first of all, I was looking at this very small ass TV. It was like 30 people. And the room was just filled with literally every single race, every every ethnicity. It was amazing. It was literally like America. It was just really an inspiring. And I remember when they called, I forget the state that was called for him and eventually gave him the election. I think I want to say it was Virginia. <laughs> but I just remember a silent thug tear <laughs> fell down. I remember I called my man, Derek. Because uh, we, we were talking about the election the night before, and I was just like so happy. I called my mom. It was just like elation. Like I, I did not think that this in 2007, that this country was ready for a black man named Barack Hussein Obama, like that they would actually that he would win against a John McCain, who was a fine person. Matter of fact, John McCain was one of the first people that I voted for in the Republican primary. So I had a great deal of respect for him. And I honestly did not think that he would win. And to have him win by such a large margin, oh, my God, it just blew me away. It's like one of those moments. It is just one of those moments that I will never, ever forget. So I want to I want to piggyback off of that and open it up and just kind of ask you guys. So when that happened, I know for me, the feeling and the words that came out for me were we did it. Mm, yeah. 
And I want to yeah. talk about that for just a second because we actually we say that quite frequently because we talk about prominent figures in the black community as we and we've talked about why it's important that we do that or why we do that. And I think that it is important because it is a, it's like a shared victory and a shared success. I distinctly remember that feeling like grabbing friends, hugging them, like tears rolling down my face and just being like, we did it. We did it. And you know, I'm, I'm sitting at a bar, like watching the results come in I'm, and I'm yelling, we did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, you ain't do shit. <laughs> so, oh, well, no, actually, yeah. no. Rem remember, Jason, we were out canvassing. We, were, oh, yeah, that's we did right. a lot. Yeah, yeah. We were out in Virginia, actually knocking that's on doors. Right. And yeah, we, yeah. we were mobilized. That was that was an exciting time. I man. thought you were post Obama, but now, <laughs> now, yeah, now I remember. You're trying to take yeah, my yeah. card away from me, bro. What's uh, up? Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, I think it's. Because when you see somebody in such a historic fashion succeed like that, I think we see ourselves in the successes, but also we see our struggles, too. Mm. It's like, man, like we overcame. That's a good point. And, and, and that's such an important thing for people to see, and especially for motivation, even if you slightly resemble Obama. And so that's one of the things I took away from it, too. I was like, man, I look at my grandfather. I've said, you know, Warren and I are cousins, so our grandfather, like, inauguration day, actually. So grandpa was literally with his little old school like camera taking pictures of the tv right uh taking pictures of the tv you could see the glare from the sun and like the, all the pictures that came out are shitty but it was just so important for him he must have wasted a whole like roll of film on just mm -hmm. trying to capture that moment and crt not not plasma <laughs> right. not oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it was yeah <laughs> big box tvs That's right uh, 2008 <laughs> was a different time man but it was just so important. And I just think about the things that he went through. You know, you talk about World War II, brothers in arms with, with people of all shades and colors and then coming back home to a segregated country, mm. right? So you never know. Somebody who he served with is, is on the TV doing it now. I'm going to even say this, and this is kind of far to go. I think the biggest part of his election win and also Inauguration Day was just seeing like the silent stoic pride in my grandfather's face you know mm. i mean he didn't like shed no tears or nothing but like you knew he was proud well that's the other thing too because we were we were so proud and we were so excited about that but then in the back of our minds we all knew the long road ahead because we knew like this is just the beginning oh, and we're like the president faces many struggles as is but to be a black president and the first black president and i mean we saw organizations just rise from all different uh you know hell holes trying to you know tear him apart exactly and, yeah. and try to tear him down and say well it's not because he's black it's because we don't like his policies like aren't his policies very similar to the candidate that you voted for very mm -hmm. centrist type policies i mean we don't need to get into all of that stuff but i mean just talking about the road ahead and so it definitely felt that way it was like all right well he, he got elected I hope nothing happens to him, like or you know, like that kind yeah, of I mean, stuff. Who thought he was going to get assassinated? Oh, hands I, up! I thought there was a good yep. chance. Yeah, he said that. Yeah. I think he even said that. Like he was right. Yeah, they had a record number of death threats. Mm -hmm. What did uh, what did Trevor thing. Noah say? That was like you thought that he was walking cool, but really he was just like you never know, you never know, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> that cool walk, like nice. ducking and dodging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like damn, that's some swag, bro. Like you never know, you never know, you know. Oh shit, you know. <laughs> 
So one thing I'll take issue with really quickly, I'm not saying that the first of anything should not be criticized. You absolutely should criticize them, especially if they're they're politicians and are, are in the government. We pay their salary. One thing I will say that I think a lot of times with the I like to call them the woke Twitter community. Right. Don't take into account that. Well, one what time we were living in back then, that it was 2007 as opposed to 2020. Mm -hmm. And that when you are the first of, you have slings and arrows coming you from every single direction because racism is is sort of real. It's real, the (laughs) elephant in the room. And it's irrational. And that people being irrational will come out and you have to react to that. And people are already thinking that you are not smart enough, good enough to be in that position. So Mm. you have to walk this really tightrope when you are in that situation. So I would say that, yes, there were things in the Obama administration. There are things, for instance, with uh, Kamala's record. Absolutely, it's, it's fair game. But you have to understand the position that these first were were placed in and the amount of ridiculous pressure that they have, especially a black woman. I'll just say that for Kamala, you know, because not only do you get the racism stuff, you get the, oh, she's a hoe. Oh, she did this. She did this for clout. She did this for, she slept with this person to do this. So they have that extra burden on them. So you have to take that into consideration when you are criticizing that person, especially if they are a first. Not that they're above criticism. I'm, I'm definitely not saying that. I think criticism makes and, and putting the, the correct type of pressure on someone can help everybody, right? But I think the woke community should kind of chill out a little bit. So, I mean, it sounds like the what you're getting at, Jason, is that the first of any group is always going to have it. There's going to be challenges there. But we're talking about like the first black woman to do something. There's There are extra challenges involved there. And I couldn't agree more. And not that I want it to be this way. As a matter of fact, I want it to be the exact opposite. But there there certainly is a level of, like we've been talking about, a level of, of pride and satisfaction when person of color really just reaches that level. And, you know, I think it's important even on the podcast to talk about, you know, folks might be listening and thinking, well, you know, what is the big deal that it's a woman? It is important. It is. It's very important. And it's important for, for women to support one another, to support the idea that a woman can lead the country. And like, those are things that like for a long time, it felt like the country was sort of trying to warm up to this idea. And like, I've talked to a number of people who, whether it's men or women and like, Oh, a woman can't do this. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Mm. Like <laughs> it kills me when it comes from women. <laughs> yeah. That like, it blows me away. And I'm like, they're like, Oh, a woman can't lead the country. And I'm thinking, Jesus. yeah, like we, like, as a matter of fact, we've been, all previous presidents have been men, so maybe we should try something different. I don't know. So <laughs> Anything it, that got it, us you know, to this point. We've had some pretty shitty presidents. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Some were slave owners. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, we, we don't have a great history. <laughs> there, there's not been a single female slave owner that's been president that we had. So come on, let's try something. <laughs> and these are these are. So you're saying of, as long as we don't go back to slavery, she did an okay job? <laughs> <All right. laughs> But yeah, I mean, these are things that we have to talk about and highlight and spotlight, the play on words there, but really just so that folks can 
start to change the way that they think about these positions and characters and, and people and their stories. It's not just a person. This is a person who has endured. This is a person who has struggled. This is a person who has, for all intents and purposes, made it. And they're they're there. And now it's like, okay, if they've done all of these things and you still can't support them, like maybe there's some internal things that you got to look at there. And, you know, policy wise, you know, that's always up for debate. But as far as accomplishments and things like that, it really is. It's not it's not that in my opinion, it's not asking for special recognition or for pity or anything like that. It, but it is an, an acknowledgement that society looks at people of color differently, at least in today's, you know, by today's standards. And so when people of color who oftentimes are starting with not a leg up, but, you know, starting somewhere behind or not with the same advantages, uh, when they make it, it's awesome. So we, we've got to continue to change that narrative, talk about those things, celebrate those things and support uh, support women in these positions and make sure that it's not just swept under the rug as all of the things like Jason said, this and that or the all of the discrediting of a person. I'm fine with substantive argumentation oh, and yeah. substantive criticism, right? Like if we're talking policy wise, like go ham. Mm -hmm. If we're talking... If we're talking about someone's history, I'm totally fine with it. The thing that really irks me right now that's happening is people are going, but is Kamala black though? I mean, mm. really, is she the first black? If you're not a member of the black community and you're talking about whether or not she belongs to our community, you're already doing it wrong. And that doesn't discredit her at all. Like, stop talking about whether or not she should be included at our cookouts. She's included at our cookouts. She She's ours. She went to Howard. Shut the fuck up. Like, dude. She went to Howard. She's an AKA. Man, get the fuck out of here. No, 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 no. A lot of haters. Hey, haters go ahead. Get that whole tip shit out of here. We're not trying to hear that. You just don't like her. She's a black woman. You got a small dick. <laughs> Jason, how, how do you really feel? Here, bro. <laughs> That's small I'm so tired, bro. Like, hey, I'm a I'm an active member of the K Hat, bro. I've seen <laughs> I've seen way too many white commentators talking about. Well, well, actually, she's not really descendant of any slaves. She's got you know she's got white blood in her, and she was actually she was she was in Canada for a long time, mm. so she doesn't really know the experience of. The African right. oppressive experience she, of she an African American. She hasn't gotten shit on. <laughs> no, that, she well, was here Howard. for more than five minutes. She knows the she knows the oppressive <laughs> right. nature of the the white supremacy that permeates this society. Right. Yeah, you kind of get that right away, even if you're in the country yeah. for like a year. You, you, I mean, that's right. kind of easy thing. Like, it at oh, the people border. hate me for no right. reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get it at the border. Yeah. Sheldon and I, Sheldon and I took a, oh. a, a trip, our first trip to Canada together. Mm. And on the way, going, you know, getting approached by the Mounties at the border, they were like, hey, how's it going? And we're like, uh... <laughs> not not so bad. You don't want to search I'm our doing, shit? You don't want us I'm to get out of the car? Great. And they're like, they're like, hey, can I see your papers? And I'm like, sure. Here's my stuff. And they're like, great. Have a good one. Have a good one. And then coming back, you know, coming back to America with American IDs, they're like, <laughs> license. <laughs> what were you there for mm. it's like wh why am i getting grilled by my own country yeah. mm. <laughs> you know like why do you hate me so much mm. when i was just in somebody else's country and they were like welcome 
Yeah. It 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 hits you right at the border, right yeah. as soon as you get into mm-hmm. the US. USA. <laughs> well, actually, USA. I'm so, home. So, Warren, you actually harped on something that I really wanted to talk about today, and that is qualifiers of being the firsts, right? Mm. So we talk about Kamala Harris and, and ethnically, right? Uh, Kamala. <laughs> I'll get it right. I will get it right. I promise. Hey, we're correct. We're correcting everybody because when she becomes vice president, we're gonna have to. Yeah. We're gonna have to have everybody on the same page. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So when we talk about Kamala, a lot of talking about her talks about her immigrant parents, her father coming right. from Jamaica, mm-hmm. mother yeah. coming from India. Uh, mm-hmm. We go a little bit further back. Once again, referring to Obama. You know, people say, "Oh yeah, he's the first black president. First black president." Well. There have been people out there who are quick to correct us and say, well, he's actually the first non-white president because his mother was white. And so I think a lot of times our our show of pride is stifled because they want to just have this qualifier and say, well, now, hold on. He's not the first full black person. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get your thoughts. I want to get your thoughts on that. And I also have another example I want to uh, talk about, too. But what do you guys think about that? So I'm going to chime in in quick and I can see that you guys wanted to totally expand on this. But so this is the way that I look at this, because I know that I've actually talked about this just briefly on the podcast before, or at least I made mention of some people said that Barack Obama was the first mixed president. When I say that, that's me drawing closer to Obama or trying to find similarity there. It's not othering Hmm. him. So because I am biracial and I say like when I identify with Obama as the first biracial president, it is not a mark against his blackness. It is quite literally me saying I am also biracial and I see that same thing in me and him. So that's the way that I look at it. I can definitely see where there would be situations where non-woke white folks talk about this in a way where they are othering them and trying to be dismissive of the black side in hopes of basically saying, well, they're not really black Mm -hmm. or, "Eh, well, but they're one of the good ones, which is more white than Mm -hmm. black. So that's my take on it. I think a lot of the time, when something isn't set yet, when we're still debating it, right? Like before Obama was president or before Kamala is VP, that's when everyone's going like, well, really is, should we be celebrating this? Right. Mm. And and it tamps down the excitement for this person. It tamps down the support for this person. It makes them less likely to become the thing that we're talking about. I think one of the reasons why people said, well, hold on, Obama's not really the first black if he wins, uh, is because they didn't want him to win. Mm. They didn't They didn't want it to happen. They want to shut down any support of that thing happening. They understand the black community as a whole has pretty strong economic and voting power if let loose to do that mm. thing. So any notion of the idea of the entire black community circling around one candidate and saying, yep, he's our guy or, or she's our lady is immediately like a, Ooh, we gotta, we gotta divide them somehow. How are we going to do that? Well, let's say that he's not really black Mm. and that's harp on the fact that her mother was from India. Mm -hmm. This is not a, this is not one of you guys. So don't pay attention. Don't pay attention. Go back to your normal lives. Mm. Don't, you don't have to, nothing to see here. Yeah. Vote third party. This is not important. Neither of these candidates are for you. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I bring that up, and I think, Jason, you can definitely relate to this, too, but we were together when we actually watched this moment, you and I being actually huge pro wrestling fans. Right? In <laughs> 2019, 
Kofi Kingston becoming widely known as uh, the first black or African-American WWE champion. Right now, you know, it's it's such an important thing for us to see in that moment. But then you go back about 10 years earlier when you have The Rock, right? The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Well, right. And so... Like more black, blacker. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So people, you know, they talk about how important that moment is, and especially in that industry, you know. Now, no matter what people feel about pro wrestling and, like, whether you feel that it's staged and all the... It's fake. Yeah, you know, the... the, It doesn't matter. It's entertainment. It is entertainment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else. So it's great to see that representation, just Kofi Kingston being how he is and also being billed from uh, Ghana. But you go back and you talk about, oh, you talk about some of the greatest black champions and the black uh, pro wrestlers in the yeah. industry. And a lot of times you'll see The Rock excluded from that. And The Rock's father was Soul Man Rocky Johnson. Right. And he was a black man. And people just seem to conveniently glazed over that. And Jason, you and I are, are part of a couple of um, forums or groups talking about wrestling and, you know, people are quick to say, oh, well, nah, you know, he doesn't count. He doesn't really count because, you know, he doesn't Yeah, well, well, people yeah. say that one, uh, it's, it's kind of ignorant. Uh, <laughs> ignorant. I agree. I'm sorry. Um, but, but I will say that The Rock, when he first came out, was not built to be African-American. He was definitely built as other, frankly, and this is my personal opinion, because the owner of the WWE is a racist. <laughs> so, Man, now I got to edit that out because you're going to get us. No, you Speak your truth, Jason. Speak your truth. I feel, not Julian of the Black Light Podcast, I feel. Say your, say your so name I, just to the people. <laughs> I, name and date, that, please. That he the following views are felt by Jason and none other. <laughs> but, you know, I, I feel that he is a racist. So he did not see. And that's the reason he became champion. So like, uh, what what is it? Seven or eight times. Because he didn't see him as a regular black. That's what rich, black. racist, white men think of people like The Rock. Because he didn't talk a certain way he didn't look mm-hmm. a certain way he, he you know he had probably more of a multicultural thing going on so he saw him as other so he was a lot more successful now Kofi Kingston who is from Ghana is a dark-skinned man so he was definitely seen as a black champion mm-hmm. and he after what 20 or 15 years after working hard and being super over which for non-wrestling fans that that means uh, he's pretty popular but of being over, he finally became champion mm-hmm. now that he's like in his 40s. But yeah, so people feel that way because the, the rock, it was marketed that way. That's why he was able to become so popular because they're such geniuses or evil geniuses in marketing that most fans were tricked into rooting for a black man mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or, or a mixed person. So, you know, you got us. That, yeah, uh, uh, people love him. I mean, he could, he could honestly probably run for president and win. I mean, mm-hmm. look, look what we have for president now. So, yeah, I, I mean, so when people say that, I think it's it's a mixture of just playing good old fashioned racism and just the evil genius marketing of the WWE. I mean, it's a little bit of what we talked about last week with just being light skinned mm. and, and the fact that you could not talk about the fact that he was black. He he got the opportunity to just not be billed as the black guy. Mm-hmm. So that matters. But I think also it matters to someone like me and Julian who looked at The Rock and went, that's one of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I, he's he's us. Mm-hmm. I see that. And, and I always saw him as 
the the like black guy on WWE. Mm, I don't. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it wasn't billed that way, but it that didn't matter to me. I didn't know what billing was when I was five, <laughs> but I could see myself in that guy. Yeah. 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 And, and so and that, basically, that mattered. Yeah. And he's, the, you know, probably one of the most talented pro wrestlers ever. I mean, mm-hmm. he was able to successfully turn a failed football career to a multi-million dollar successful WWE career and then transition that into an so, even bigger oh, uh, Hollywood. So yeah, he was he was in it. that position because he was simply the best and not because, you know, and then people... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to, to knock him or disagree. Like, oh, well, you know, it, it, he was simply the best. And again, when you are placed in that position of being the first, and that's what people have to understand, you have to really understand that person's journey, like what they had to go through. Speaking of you know, all of this here, are, does uh, Tiger Woods, does he still get invited to the cookout? What are we, uh, what's the final vote? I'm, gl- I'm glad you, I'm, gl- I'm glad you, you brought him up too. <laughs> Because you talk about Tiger Woods in what in '97 he coined the term what is it? Cablanation, Cablanation, Asian, right? So Caucasian, black, whatever, Indian and Indian and Asian, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't take away the idea that a lot of black people looked at him and went, "This is someone that looks like me playing a characteristically white sport and beating all of these people and making tons of money and looking good doing it." Like right, right. that. That is exciting for someone that looks like us, and that that makes me think that I would be able to do whatever I want to do, regardless of whether or not I see someone that looks like me doing it. Right. Because I'd never seen someone that looks like him mm-hmm. do it, like playing right. golf at the highest level. And he comes in and just blazes through everybody. Sure, he, he's he, a he's a once in a century talent, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that doesn't matter. That that means the ceiling has been raised mm-hmm. to a point where like. I don't know where beneath that ceiling I'm going to be, but but I can get I can get way higher than I thought I could. And we hyped him up, and he was like, "Oh, we see ourselves in him." And then he was like, "Fuck y'all, niggas." Uh, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about, yeah. as far mm-hmm. as so we love Tiger way more than he loved us. So let's talk about that in terms of just from a community perspective, because what I think is happening in that situation is Tiger Woods was talking about the way that he self-identified. And so he self-identified as Cablanation, where he's a mix of all of these things. And I think that we have to really just really put our foot down and say that it is okay for a person to self-identify with who they are. So that itself, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Like whoever you are, self-identify as that. Next, it is important to understand how other people see you in the world. It does not mean that you have to bend to them. But it is important for you to see how or to know how other people see you in the world so that you can move through the world more successfully. And I think that was Tiger's attempt to do that. But distancing himself from the black community, it was like he was almost saying, nah, I'm not really one of y'all. And and really, it was like, no, like this makes you one of us. It doesn't mean that you're not all of these other things, but you're invited to the cookout. But he disinvited himself to the cookout. (laughs) To me... He doesn't have to come, but he's. I don't think he wants to come. I don't think he wants to come. He doesn't. I mean, that's not. I mean, that's not. He's black when convenient, and and that's what I think a lot of people in our community. (laughs) They are black when it's convenient to them, or when they are in a jam, or they get hemmed up by a white person. What did uh, what did Paul Mooney say? Paul, what did Paul Mooney say? Is that uh, everybody want to be a nigga? Nobody want to be a nigga. (laughs) Okay. Okay. 
black of convenience. And that was the incredible thing about Barack Obama, right? It wasn't the fact that he was just the first self. It was it was his character. It was the the poetic way that he could explain the duality of, of living in a white world and being a being brown, but having white it's like he explained that so beautifully. And I, I don't expect everyone to have the eloquence. Most most people don't, but you know, I, I think it brings me back to a comment that Kamala always says about her mom is that if you are the first, make sure you're not the last. And I think I like when, you, when you're yeah. dealing with first of, I think you also have to, if, if we are going to criticize them, we have to criticize them by, by things of that, that nature. Like what did they do once they got in that position? Did they Clarence Thomas us? Hmm. Did they just totally cut us off? Did they do things to harm the community, to harm poor people, harm black people, to harm people, lower income people, to harm anybody? What you know, because it doesn't just matter that they harm that they're harming anybody. Like what type of person are they? What type of harm do they do to the community? So no, they don't get a free pass. People say, Oh, well, you have black card, you just throw that black card out there, which is a stupid fucking phrase. You just throw that out there. And it's fine. Like everything matters, it goes away. No, we will. I think people absolutely should hold people accountable once they, once the community, because no, we, I mean, we all rest on the, on the shoulders of giants, but once you get to that stage that you actually do something with it, you bring other people that look like you or people that are different from you that haven't had the opportunity you have had other communities and, and bring them up. That's how I personally judge people first. And, and that's where my criticism usually lies with them. Thanks for listening to Blacklight. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Blacklight Pod. That's Black L I T E Pod. If you have a topic, idea, or feedback you'd like to share with us, you can hit us up at blacklightpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>